Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to our party. This is the informational playground, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves under the species of Be the Star You Are 501c3 nonprofit. We are your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you are listening to us on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are, a charity that once again was honored as a top nonprofit for 2014 for the sixth year in a row, empowering women, family, and youth through increased literacy and improved positive media. And this is by Ben Stein. The first step to getting the things you want out of life is to decide Decide what you want. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Well, mothers, we all have one. We all need to celebrate the person who gave us life. And in our T for Two, a mother-daughter brew and Heather's Health Matters, we are dedicating this first segment to mothers. In our segment two, you are going to meet the father of the green building, David Gottfried, and uh, he is really fascinating. He has a new book, an award-winning book we just found out. It's called Explosion Green, and we'll find out all about LEED and how the World Green Building Council came into existence. And then finally, what is growing in your May garden? You'll find out what to sow and how to know and how to make a sustainable garden for a bountiful, edible harvest. So you'll got to stay tuned for the whole show. Well, getting to mothers, Heather found a wonderful poem that is very apropos for our segment on moms and honoring the mothers and motherhood and maternal bonds and the influence of mothers in our society. So Heather, will you share this wonderful, wonderful poem with us? Because I really thought it was, it was perfect. 
Yeah, well, I forget how I came across this or who first sent this to me, but I thought it was totally awesome, and I received it this past February, and it's a kind of poem. It's six. It's called Sixteen Things We Forget to Thank Our Moms For, and it's by Kate Bailey. So, sixteen things we forgot forget to thank our moms for. One, all the time she had to double as best friend, counselor, therapist, costume designer, hairstylist, coach, all around solver of every problem ever. I remain convinced that moms aren't actually superheroes. They're actually superheroes in disguise. Two, forgiving us for when we forget to call. Three, listening to all the pointless drama when we do remember to call. Four, being kind of the person we actually do want to become because we all know eventually we are going to become them. It's inevitable. Five, having the incredible proudness only a mother whose babes have been scorned could mama bear protect her cubs Sometimes excessively, but we love it. Let's be honest. All those six, all of those times, all those times we yelled "Mom!" through the house to find out where our white shirt was, our shirt was, or that something or other, or getting home. All those random questions we had that we just couldn't go to Dad for. Seven, all those things she reluctantly bought us at the cash register at any given store, all those clothes we didn't really need but insisted we did. Growing up and understanding the value of a dollar really makes you reconsider on how much your mom sacrifices. And the ten in a things uh the ten old fashioned things uh of dating or excuse me, eight for all those home cooked meals uh or pizzas we didn't have to pay for ourselves, equally phenomenal, equally missed. Nine, putting up with the middle school phase. Ten, giving us our siblings, whom we simultaneously once wished we would sell, uh, and now are our best friends. Eleven, and oh yeah, that whole giving birth to us thing. Yeah, let's not forget that. Twelve, for being our first and at some points only cheerleaders, who were and are very part of every little thing we do. Thirteen, all the things she spent picking up us all the time she spent picking us up from practices, bending over backwards to make sure we had all new cleats and costumes, and were at every game rehearsal and play date we planned. Fourteen, doing her best, even when things were most difficult in the family. Moms have this incredible magic sparkle glue that keeps it all together when all else would fail. Fifteen, dealing with dad. Sixteen, and finally, last but not least, being the boss woman of the house and of our lives and being living proof that there truly are people who can honestly just do it all. And I think that's just so true that moms, being a mom is the most important and probably most thankless job. So I thank you, and I have so many friends now who are uh, currently on the path or just recently becoming moms, and it really is a thing that does, um, change everyone's life, and when it comes back to it, they are, you know, your first, the first person you love, your first friend, your first everything, um, and I think, you know, it's that one day a year, I mean, mothers, as they say, just how Valentine's Day should be every day, um, I think the same should go towards, you know, our mothers, that we each day, each year, um, a special day in May that we truly celebrate them, but every day should be a Mother's Day of us. Thank you and, and gratitude um, because as you've experienced, you've having a mom and you now being a mom um, of all you know, the trials, the tribulations, the love, the loss of, of everything that comes with it. So I thank you, lady, for all those amazing things that a mother is. 
Well, thank you so much for that poem. I just thought that was so great. Thanks, 16 things we forget to thank our moms for because it's so true. You know, I think what happens so often in being a mom and, and you know, when you talk with other moms is that we kind of, we go into auto drive when it comes to our kids. We, there's just something for the majority of women who become mothers. You just instinctively know what to do and you want things to, to go right and you want to help them and it is I thought that very first line of all the times you 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 double as the best friend the counselor the therapist the costume designer the hairstylist the coach the all-around solver of every problem (laughs) that you're a superhero in disguise I know I feel that from my mom and I think about all you know everything that she sacrificed and so it's really being a mom really does need to be celebrated. So this is to all the great moms out there. You know, I was looking, Heather, to find out uh, how Mother's Day really started because it is celebrated on various days in many parts of the world, and it's most commonly celebrated in April or May in the Northern Hemisphere and then in the Southern Hemisphere where spring is in our fall. It's in October, for example, in Argentina, but yeah, do you know that it's, I did not know that. Yeah, did you know that it it began as a modern American holiday uh, in 1908, and mm-hmm. it was by one woman whose name was Anna Jarvis, and she held a memorial for her mother in West Virginia, and her campaign was to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in the United States, and she started doing that in 1905 uh, because she. Her, that's when her mom, uh, Ann Reeves Jarvis, died. And it took her three years to actually get this, you know, Mother's Day approved. And she just wanted to honor her own mother for continuing the work she had started and to set aside a day to honor mothers everywhere. And her quote was, because that person has done more for you than anyone in the world. And, you know, I thought that was really sweet, that it, but it did take three years. I don't know if you can still get days dedicated to certain things. I know there's a calendar out there, and there's probably 20 celebrations well, you know a day. the crazy thing is now, um, I think more than ever you can, because um, if you look, almost every single day of the year now is actually a something day. There are right. things that are cupcake day, burrito day, uh, national pie eating day. Uh, so I think the counter opposite, that I don't know how this phenomenon occurred, but I think it's actually rather easy now um, to get things approved to be a day, um, just as, you know, someone to change their name. And I think, you know, one thing, and it just kind of gets into with all women that, um, you know, that woman, that her mother must have inspired us it because um, get, on the date, you know, you gave of, what, 1908, I don't believe women were even still able to vote yet at that thing. So, um, with no, that they being, weren't. Yeah, so with that being said, the fact that she could pass a kind of almost a legislature um, to have a, you know, a, a national and now international day dedicated to women, I think that speaks volumes um, because still in, you know, in, in American society, women still have equal rights at that time. So I think that's just, and another thing, she must have been, had a great mother that inspired her, you know, to stick to her guns and go for what she wanted. Um, right. Yeah, you know, I just think well, I, her general, mom, I guess, was quite an amazing, um, 
quite an amazing woman, at least from what I've read. She, her mom was a peace activist, and she actually cared for wounded soldiers on both sides of the Civil War. Oh, wow. And she she also created a Mother's Day work club to address health issues. Uh, so she was really, you know, really before her time. So that was kind of, that was neat. You know, that was neat. And, you know, I think for, you know, with it being, you know, Mother's Day, not to say and Father's Day is just around the corner, but I really do feel um, there is, that it is more, almost more celebrated than, you know, Father's Day. I think, uh, you know, sadly that we don't, that people don't make every single day Mother's Day, but I think it is so special. I think it is a really a wonderful thing because we always say that, that, you know, moms work that second shift in a lot of um, American families today that um, that many people, you know, they have full-time jobs, and then when they come home, as you said, they, now, you know, then they're mom again, and then they're also the cook, the chef, the cleaner, the, the fixer, the, the wife, the, all these different things, and, you know, it's not, you're not getting a second paycheck for that, and they've, you know, there's been studies, you know, things they calculate that if um, a woman was to be uh, compensated for her hours uh, as a mom and all the various jobs she does, it would you know, be some ridiculously awesome salary. I think, you know, something like yeah. 400000 or 500000 a year. Um, sadly, I think even if they passed legislation, I don't know where the money would come from, and I think it would kind of cause a, a different inflection of why people want to become parents. Um, but it, it's so true that moms just do so much, and I know just in general, um, you know, my girlfriends and I have talked about this before, there's that thing of, um, even as an adult, still that kind of, you know, it's like you go through that stage that you don't want to be babies, but at the same time when you get older that you don't have that uh, attention around you, such if you move away, move out. Um, I was saying with someone of how, you know, oftentimes when we're, you know, when we were sick growing up that you'd stay home from school and, you, you know, your, your mom takes care of you and, you know, I remember as a kid, I used to watch. My favorite video, oh my gosh, uh, uh, what do you call it, VCRs, if people still remember those. Uh, I had this, like, my sick video. I had all these, like, Christmas things on it. I don't know why. I loved it, but it was, like, I, when I was homesick, I'd watch that, and I'd get soup, and just being, like, babied, you know. I was just getting loved on. And it's funny, as growing up, you know, being in college and being away, there's times when you're sick, and it's like you call your mom, really just, there's nothing they can do, but just, you know, when you're like, oh, mom, I'm and just some saying, giving, almost giving them that pity and like, oh, honey, I wish I could help. That's like uh, the best thing ever. That you know, we're talking about. It's like, why do we still do that? Like, we still want that mother. That we want that baby attention from our parents, even though they can't do anything. So I just think, you know, in general, I, I always, you know, tell people I consider you my my best friend, and I, you know, I I feel very fortunate to have such a close relationship with you, um, with that mother daughter. Because I know some people who are not close um, with their mothers, and uh, I think that's you know such a, a, a travesty. Because I think these are such important people, and and uh, I also think it's an interesting characteristic of people. When people, one thing uh, when it comes to men, that people often say, you know, well, look at the relationship he has with his mother, and that says a, a big thing because that's his first woman in his life. Of how is he respectful to her? Do they get along? Or they, you know, what are they? And I, I think it is a big indicator. People don't have good relationships. They're disrespectful. It's a strange relationship. I think it's something um, 
I need to tune into that, see kind of what else is going on with that, because I think, um, you know, all, and again, there's always, of course, other factors that can play in, you know, from the parents' part, but in general, saying, you know, it's a good parent, um, I think, you know, it is really important to have that really strong relationship with your parents, and I think just as people get older, it only gets stronger, and, and even in the poem, there's that thing, that whole middle school stage. I know I definitely went through that stage where I was just way too cool for school, too cool to, to be seen <laughs> holding hands with mom, um, and now, you know, it's like I can't, you know, I jump at the chance to, to hold your hand or show you To be together. You know, I, it's right. just, I, I again, it's, it's uh, I, I think it's a wonderful thing that we celebrate every year, and, um, you know, and I think, gosh, it's, is it crazy to think that you have been, this will be, what, your 34th Mother's Day this year? Um, 33rd. 33rd. 33rd this I, year. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, but being a mom is the greatest, is the best thing, and then I imagine the next best thing after being a mom is, uh, and I'm not one yet, but if when you probably become a grandmother, you know, because then you're actually watching your children have children. And then there's another whole level of intimacy between you and your child because you it's another generation. So here's to all the moms in the world who have made us who we are and who continue to be those incredibly versatile superheroes that love us and forgive us and listen to us and, you know, let us yell and scream and be pointless and dramatic and all those crazy things that we do uh, throughout our lives and never, you know, never stop being our best friend. So happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And and, uh, a shout out to, to all the wonderful children because to be a mom means you have children and without your kids we feel just a little bit uh, less than you know if the kids if the kids aren't in our life so all of you who are good to your moms and your dads hats off to you and continue the great work because always remember what goes around comes around karma comes comes back at you so (laughs) you always want to be you always want to be uh Good, no matter what. You want to be good. So, Heather, let's give out the websites because we are time to go to a break. Yeah, most definitely. Why don't you go to BeanStarYard.org as well as BeanStarYard.com. And then just a friendly reminder, uh, the day before Mother's Day, uh, an early way to go celebrate your mom if you are going to be in Moraga, in the La Mirinda area, to come to the Moraga Fair and celebrate and um, support Be The Star You Are. Yes, great idea. Stop by the Be The Star You Are booth because our volunteers will be doing free activities for children that are gifts for mom. So that would be a great way to celebrate your mom. Well, when we return from break, you're going to meet the father of the Green Movement with his newest book, Explosion Green. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening to Star Style, Be The Star You Are. We'll be right back. Put on your green tie. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the star. 
you are. Light up the flames that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. Be the star you are. You are. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, we know you have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. And that's where we come in right here every week, bringing you those authors, the experts, and books that inspire entertain and motivate you. We want to help you ignite your power and shoot for the stars and, of course, land on them. I am Cynthia Bryan, your personal growth coach, and you are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Well, green is the color of the moment. Green is a movement. It's a way of living. And Explosion Green is the newest book by David Gottfried, the founder of the U.S. Green Building Council and the World Green Building Council, which is now in 100 countries. President Clinton endorsed his book saying, Our Future Depends on Sustainability, and David Gottfried's pioneering work is proof that we can do it, and Explosion Green tells us how. Well, welcome, David, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thanks, Cynthia. Just great to be here with everybody. Well, we're so excited for you. I have just learned that your new book, Explosion Green, has won two Indie Book Awards for 2014, including Best Memoir and Best Business Book, and then just in the last few seconds was followed by a third book award for the second place grand prize for nonfiction. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. That was all very exciting. Uh, They get a lot of books submitted to them and to be the second place for all nonfiction in 2014 is just awesome. 
that it's really it's really really huge and you know it's a, it's apropos this is something that has become your life work explosion green is really a memoir of your journey after graduating from stanford with an engineering degree and going to work with your aunt and uncle in washington dc as a developer and that's long before green was anything more than kermit the frog saying it's hard to be green right but I, I would love you to give us a little bit of background because, you know, when you were first out of college and you got this great position with your family in uh, Washington and you got your first BMW and you had these fancy clothes and you were enjoying kind of a luxurious lifestyle. And then this, you had a huge transformation. And voila, here today, you are very, very involved in the whole green building movement. And in fact, known as the father of establishing this movement. Tell us about this journey, because it wasn't always easy, was it? No, uh, often it felt like Sisyphus uh, pushing the ball up the hill. Uh, now, now green building is global, it's fashionable, it's certainly economic, but uh, 20, 20 plus years ago, they looked at us like we were a little crazy. And uh, we kept pushing, but it made great sense. Uh, being a change agent uh, isn't easy, and I often find I'm 20 years ahead, which makes it harder. But uh, if you believe in it and you're passionate and it all adds up, uh, then keep at it. Well, tell us what was your initial impact in making you believe that this was the future. I know you talk a lot about one of your professors at Stanford who you just thought was, you know, w- when he spoke, it, it had a huge impact on you. I, I believe it was Gil Master, uh, Masters. He was your yeah. mentor because you were studying the earth, the sun, the energy, and you're also been a big outdoors, you know, outdoorsman, backpacker and hiker and all that. So was there like this aha moment for you? Well, Gil was just phenomenal, and he's an emeritus professor still after 50 years of teaching, and he's touched thousands of us. But what he taught us in civil engineering was about the earth, and this was, I hate to say, but 30 years ago, he was talking about our planet's ability to live within its carrying capacity, and even back then, we were overstretching in terms of energy and water and limited resources and also population. And so he woke us up to the vital statistics of Earth and these concepts of sustainability followed up by net positive, which we call regeneration. Well, and speaking now, when you call, say, regeneration, you are the CEO of Regenerative Ventures. So I'm assuming that name, you know, you, you established this name because of the whole regeneration. Now, it, uh, it says your firm incubates uh, green tech startup companies and does advising on global building. Uh, are you doing consulting? Tell us a little bit about what Regenerative Ventures does. Sure. Regenerative Ventures uh, incubate, incubates companies, as you mentioned, uh, I've sat on the advisory board of over a dozen clean tech startups, mostly in the building industry, but a little broader, 
and the venture part is to get stock in the companies. So I believe now I have a portfolio of about 15 companies of private stock, and then I help them bring their products to the building industry and accelerate the development of the company while we save energy or water or make buildings better. I follow a lot of the top venture capitalists. I think my firms in aggregate uh, that I have some stock in have raised about $600 million and hired over a 1,000 people doing things like putting and capturing CO2 out of a coal plant and putting it in Portland cement for concrete or electrochromatic windows where you put a computer signal through a window and it goes from clear to dark, uh, saving energy, saving CO2. Uh, We also, in ventures, have incubated my wife's company, which is called Gottfried Institute, and that's Sarah Gottfried, MD, and she wrote The Hormone Cure, a New York Times bestseller. So we have a hormone business for women with training, courses, detox, uh, shake and a new Dr. Sarah Barr. Uh, so Regenerative Ventures is, is about transformation and making money as we help make people and earth better. You know, it just sounds amazing also that it's a family business too and that you can incorporate health issues and women's issues along with green building. And so basically what you're saying is that it is all encompassing. It's really a human firm. It's about improving human life. It is, or just life in general, uh, because humans... You're right. It's not just human life, life in general, nature. Yeah, and we have a choice of whether we want to remain here on Earth. I think the rest of Earth will be here. And so we're trying to wake up those humans, make them healthier, and wake up their brains and uh, teach them about the rules of nature and how to live together with the other species here and then uh, not only sustain but regenerate. And part of that is making more money when you're operating regeneratively. You know, when you first started out, I was a real estate developer and a construction manager. It was like a foundation for you so that you could be doing what you did when you finally uh, were looking to found the United States Green Building Council. But there were so many hurdles that you had to jump through when this was all starting. And when I was reading your book, Explosion Green, I was just amazed by the numbers of individuals that you had to meet with and the meetings and the manufacturers. And then even when so many people were on board, there still wasn't any money to make it move forward. Is, do you think that the financial aspect is always the most difficult part of, of any nonprofit organization or just getting a movement off the ground? Well, the nonprofits, first of all, sometimes see themselves as nonprofits. And really, they should be profitable, except the profits don't go to the shareholders they should go to the growth for the business and to expanding the public good. What we did differently, and even though it was hard, is we ran it like a business. And the U.S. Green Building Council, we think, became the fastest-growing nonprofit in the world. Uh, Those early years, though, were more flat, 
And then after the LEED Green Building Rating System came out in around 2000, we just took off. But uh, money, if, you're out of, if you don't have money, even if you're a nonprofit, you're out of business. And so looking at your sources of revenue, sustainable recurring revenue is, is huge, and not just having one source of money. If it's members, you need a conference, you need a certification system, you can have donors, uh, but if you forget about the money, you're out of business. And we never forgot about that, and uh, we just grew like crazy. We have about 260 staff and 80 chapters in the U.S., and uh, money was front and center not only in building the nonprofit, but also in our mission. If you can re-engineer the economy so that by going green you make more money or you have less risk, then you win. And I think we cracked that code. Well, you definitely cracked that code. If now uh, there's, what, over 180,000 professionals have passed the LEED accredited professional exam, and I have no idea how many buildings um, have have earned uh, the LEED points, you know, by the, by the projects. But you were saying that just the U.S. Green Building Council has 15,000 organizational members representing 10 million employees, that is huge. And that's such a huge accomplishment in a relatively short a period of time. Yeah, no one could have thought that we were going to do that with that kind of reach. And we have hundreds of local governments, state and federal, playing with us. We have tax credits tied to lead. And uh, we have about 11 billion square feet in the world of lead buildings probably 300,000 projects ranging from small little buildings uh, like the Bullet Center, which is uh, very high rated, uh, all the way up to projects in China that are about 7 million square feet. Uh, We have lead for neighborhoods, lead for homes, lead for commercial interiors, uh, lead for new construction, and then these professional accredited professionals. It's just... uh, been unreal what's happened. Well, we're speaking with uh, author David Gottfried, his new book, an award-winning book, and also a best uh, book in the nonfiction category is Explosion Green. His website is explosiongreen.com. And of course, besides being a keynote speaker, he's the author of other books, Greed to Green and Greening My Life, and the CEO of Regenerative Ventures. So we are talking about about everything green today. Well, I do remember the time, David, when to try to get a building certified with LEED was, um, it was very expensive. You know, uh, going green was really pricey. And so if you were trying to be sustainable, you always got higher bids. But that's not the case anymore. No. uh, What what we found uh, starting back to 2000 uh, with the city of Seattle uh, in the beginning, they required lead silver for all of their city buildings that they controlled. Initially, it was about 4% for those libraries and public buildings. And then after they'd done uh, numerous lead buildings, the cost came down towards zero. There are extra first costs for the professional fees of the architect and team 
to do more brainstorms and to lead certify. But if they're great, they can also have first first cost savings and lower mechanical systems, less lighting, and uh, have more effective, efficient buildings. So uh, a lot of this is just off-the-shelf technologies. It's not fancy NASA stuff uh, or like those firms that I'm on the advisory board for. It's just being smarter, pushing the team harder to design a building that will be efficient and effective. And you can have it higher in terms of energy efficiency, water efficiency, less waste, and just a better building. And it doesn't have to cost more. Well, you also had a wonderful article uh, that was in Green Building and Design Magazine, a great interview that was done with you. And, you know, what um, the author wrote is that David Gottfried literally altered the course of human history, specifically by ensuring that it continues. And to me, that one line was really important because you are all about sustainability, and people, I know that word gets thrown around a lot now, as does green. And so we get a lot of green, green washing, et cetera. But the fact is, is that it is now to a point that everyone has the ability and really the responsibility to think sustainable. Would you, um, would you elaborate on that kind of concept? Yeah, and the word sustainable, believe it or not, is just not enough. That's just living within the means of the earth. We have to go much further. We need to capture the rain and use that. We need to capture our water in our homes and our buildings and clean it up and reuse it. So we have to get towards positive, which is regeneration. Um, Sustainability isn't going to cut it in terms of global warming. We're at 401 particles per million now of CO2 and the steady scientific threshold that the 2,000 scientists recommend is 350. Mm. So we need to go much further and start making products and services that actually lessen the ecological footprint of Earth. You know, does water seem to be one of the main issues that we are facing now in the future. I remember years ago visiting Bermuda and there is no fresh water on that island and so they collect all the rain water, you know, it comes off the roofs, it goes into cisterns that are underneath each individual home and because the limestone purifies it, etc. I was always impressed with that and wondered why aren't we all doing something like that? I mean, why aren't we catching every drop and how can we make that happen for us? Well, we, we have to catch every drop and use it as well as the water in our sinks, our tubs, um, and even our toilets. And the technology exists to take all of that and filter it and reuse it. We, we need to wake up with our relationship with water. It's not cheap. It's dear. And without it, we die. And we're just sleeping, even in places like California, where we have a water crisis that the governor signed, Arizona, even Australia, five years ago, almost ran out of water, as did Atlanta, Georgia. Las Vegas, in the desert, we build with golf courses and huge hotels, and uh, the water comes from Lake Mead, which is dropping more than 10 feet a year, and soon it will be dry. And so water is precious, 
and we need to change our relationship to it. We need to change the pricing for it that we pay. We need to relook at agriculture and even the water value of different food groups um, and uh, understand that better. And we should have composting toilets and rain barrels to capture the water where it rains and, and reuse all that, as well as gray water systems under our homes to filter the water for sinks and tubs for the landscaping. And while we're on landscaping, we can't afford grass. We need rock gardens and uh, local indigenous plants that don't even need sprinklers systems at all because they're, they, they're acclimated to the climate. And how, how close are we, what would, what would you say, how many years is it going to take to change the public opinion and the governmental agencies until there are either some tax breaks or some incentives or something so that more people are going to get on this bandwagon of realizing that our resources do have a termination time and that we're on a fast track to that time limit. If we don't step in soon, we're all going to be in trouble. Yeah, we need to wake up, and it, it's really hard because we're battling these monster lobby, lobbying firms that want business as usual. The chemical industry is attacking lead, and they just want to keep making their billions the old way. What they don't understand is they can make more billions the new way. Um, but the, the scientists at the IPCC recently said we have 15 years to turn climate change IPPC is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and they've done the best work in the world at measuring and looking at the risk of what's going on. Um, They say 15 years. Uh, They've measured it extensively. So we really have to turn our ship now, and we need to, to have the tax credits. There are green building tax credits. There's some energy tax credits that are federal and even state for things like a hybrid, I'm sorry, for my new Tesla kind of car for solar (laughs) on your roof. Um, But there's not enough. We need more tax credits for water efficiency, for energy efficiency, for solar hot water, which does not have a tax credit. And we need to really uh, redouble those efforts um, to get at the good work of water efficiency and capture as well as energy. Energy uh, tax credits shouldn't be just clean energy generation. It should also be for tightening up your home or your building, and you should get tax credits for that, and the government and states and federal need to make it happen. I think, you know, when that does happen, people will change um, because, like, solar solar is... uh, Solar on your roofs now, it's getting more popular, and it's getting a bit more affordable. And there are, as you said, there are some tax incentives for buying the solar. I know I have solar. We're all solar powered where I am. But, you know, it's. I think the cost of doing all of this and transferring it is what probably keeps people away from it. And also not enough education on how dire our situation is right now. I wanted to point out something in your book because I was very fascinated with that trip you took to Montana. I believe it was Montana when you went, the gentleman who was a billionaire, he wanted to build something in um, in Texas, a great big mall and have it be 
the biggest and the best green, you know, in in the U.S. Did that ever get built? And did you ever have any part of it? It sounded like from when you ended the chapter that he went on to get billions in tax credits. But did any of your team ever work on it? No, I, I don't believe the mall ever got built. I think he just I got would, about $2 billion in tax credits. And, and he never uh, built it. He 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 got the tax credits. Um, I don't know the nuance, but I know he prevailed. He had other malls, so maybe he switched it to those. But uh, to my knowledge, that project, as envisioned, didn't get built. And we felt a bit used to get the tax credits to his own benefit. Right. Well, I felt that was a that was a kind of a, a heart stabbing chapter to me in your book, Explosion Green, because. You know, at first, when I was starting to read it, I was thinking, wow, this is fantastic. You know, when you, whenever you can have somebody who has the money and you have the knowledge and the expertise to do it and the two can meet and you can make great things happen, but it seemed like it was such a one-sided street, especially when at the end of this uh, supposed meeting, you know, they wanted you to go on, what was it, the news or on TV or at least make a video like a testimonial how great this was going to be. And the reality was is that, you know, you didn't even know what he was planning because he wasn't really listening to anything. Did no, and in- we, we were all there like experts throwing out our brilliant ideas, at least we thought they were, and everyone was writing them down, and we really felt we were making a difference. And then they were quietly escorting us later on to do um, media interviews and then right. I guess I had this, uh, my light bulb went off and realized that we were perhaps being used. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, and I suppose that happens every t- any time you have a great idea and a great platform, you know, and you really do want to make it be national, international, and have this global outreach. Because, you know, when you met with uh, people in Japan or Spain or, or Korea, there, it seems like it, it must have been a huge challenge to get everyone on board to see the vision of the way that it could work in your nonprofit organization and still make money for everybody and go forward. I mean, it was, there's definitely a lot of shady people out there, aren't there? <laughs> well, there are, and they're out for their own economic gain, which I, I think economic gain is fine. What was missing in those stories was transparency and right. disclosure, disclosure of the, what was really going on. Um, you know, early on in Japan, I went out there and supported them. And later, I learned that they had trademarked the term green building in Japan, the English term. And any time you use the term, you had to pay the people who hosted me. You had to pay the money. You know, in Spain, I went out there uh, to help build a nonprofit, and then they wanted a separate for-profit that manipulated the nonprofit and <laughs> offered me. They offered me twenty percent of the company, and right, um, right. I walked out of the room and flew home. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it it seems that you did a great job of containing your rage, <laughs> and and um and really keeping clear on your vision and also it was probably your runs in nature and your bike rides and your hiking and 
you know, all the times that it would just remind you of what you were there for. So very, very interesting uh, book and a very interesting, I don't want to say journey, that's the word I'm looking for, the journey, because you never gave up, David. You followed your path and you never gave up on what you really felt in your heart and soul and you're still not. Explosion Green is the book, website explosiongreen.com. What's next, David? I'm sorry, say that I didn't hear the last part. I was saying, so what is next for okay. for your company and for what, what do you think, where do you think we're going besides what you've outlined here in the book of what we have to do, you know, for water and, and power and, you know, just keeping this, keeping us alive and while sure. we're containing the planet and nurturing it. We got to meld the nature and nurture. Yeah, so... I, we're all doing green buildings, green homes, electric cars. We're moving in the right direction. Uh, there's a big initiative now to look at the health in buildings, the toxicity of building products, and that's pretty hot. And personally, I'm looking at who's in the green home, who's in the electric vehicle, and are they green? What is a green individual? And I call it the greening of our lives and invented a new program called Regen360 uh, using something called a life balance sheet where we measure your, your self-worth as opposed to your net worth. Um, but to really get there, uh, I'm also looking at what I call Regen Brain, how to rewire our brains because I believe our survival wiring of the past where the tigers were going to get us um, is killing us. And so we got to use plasticity and the newest inventions of neuroscience to go from amygdala dominant towards prefrontal cortex, uh, thought-provoking and um, nurturing and guiding. And so we need to lay new neural networks in our brains so we can have the group and prevail so we're here in the future. Well, I think that this is really, really empowering, and thank you for writing such an amazing book, David, Explosion Green. The future is in our hands, and if we don't continue on a path of more than a sustainability, then we will not have an earth, and we won't have a future. So pick up a copy of Explosion Green. It's available at Amazon right now, a bestseller. It's just won three awards, and as well as you can look for it in your local bookstores. Explosion Green, the author, David Gottfried. David, thank you so much for being here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And I just wish you all the success with everything you're doing and your wife. Great success, not only with her next book, but you know, with what you're doing in your company and restoring and regenerating what we need as a life source. It's, it's the power of life. Thank you, David. Well, thank you. I really appreciate uh, your questions and, and getting to talk to your audience. And I wish everyone that their star is green. Their star is green. What a great one. And we'll end with that. Explosion Green, David Gottfried explosiongreen.com. Oh, and I do just want to give one little shout-out 
on May 12th, uh, Explosion Green Live is a free digital conference with uh, personal interviews with 35 of the world's foremost green gurus. So they can, uh, people can sign up for that. So check out explosiongreen.com. Thank you, David. We will be in touch. You're listening you to so Cynthia much. Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back, and we're going to go for a walk in nature and a walk in the garden. I'll be right with you. You are the star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Change your world. Change your life. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, you are the star. Pump up your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a life that shines. Now every field is clothed with grass and every tree with leaves and now the woods put forth their blossoms and the year assumes its happy attire. Virgil wrote that and that's about the garden. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Well, May is one of the most beautiful months of the whole year. The weather's warm yet mild. Our landscapes start bursting into bloom and the birds are chirping. Building nests, buddies are buzzing and frogs are croaking and there's hummingbirds and butterflies. I just think it's a renaissance of nature is in full swing and we are delighted to be the recipients of the reward. So this is the month that we really need to get up, get out and get going as summer entertaining approaches because the colors, the shapes, The textures and the fragrance of spring's cool combinations create a tapestry of sensory explosions. I find it so easy to spend hours, days even, working the earth to design the drama and harness the harmony that we crave and that we need. Drought-tolerant and native plants are our go-to specimens for the season. So consider adding some velvety lamb's ears or gray artisma or they're both deer and rabbit resistant. And you can also have some like warm-hued snapdragons for a punch of genius. And for a mega health boost, make sure to plant a variety of carrots in red, orange, yellow, and purple. Because they're not only great for the eyes, but they're loaded with vitamin A and C, rich in antioxidants, including beta-carotene, high in fiber, low in calories, and cancer-fighting nutrients. So welcome to your garden. Here are just a few tips uh, before I leave you today. Conserve water by sweeping patios and driveways. Provide pollen and nectar sources for bees by growing a variety of trees, shrubs, annuals, and perennials that have many shapes, textures, sizes, and colors. 
You should sow seeds for succession plantings of radishes, beets, lettuce, carrots, and beans. Continue hand-picking snails and slugs and set out, uh, beer, uh, you know, you can set out bowls of beer to help with eradication. Leave the foliage of daffodils, tulips, Dutch iris, and hyacinth in your garden until the leaves are very dry and crisp and don't tie them back with rubber bands. And you might want to, for Mother's Day, set a packet of seeds on each place setting at your Mother's Day celebration. And you can transfer pots of tuberous begonias to shady areas. Uh, photograph your landscape and study the photos. And freshen the air of your interiors with a potted anthurium because it sucks up those harmful VOCs. And houseplants have been proven to increase concentration, productivity, and boost well-being. Well, that's it for our show today. I thank you for being great listeners and allowing me into your life. Remember to be stated right here every week on Star Style. Be the star you are on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Make a donation to Be the Star You Are charity. We've just been named a top nonprofit for 2014. Go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. I hope to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. And read a book this week because it's like a garden in your pocket. And think Explosion Green. Until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. You've been listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Have a wonderful Mother's Day and celebrate the mom in your life. Shoot for the stars. We'll talk next week. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style. Be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.